Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. We're sitting alongside president and founder of the Hoban Law Group, Bob Hoban. Today we're talking about social equity in the cannabis industry, and we are joined by founder, editor, and publisher of Weed Week, Alex Halperin. Alex, thank you for being here with us this evening. Thanks so much for having me. And Alex, before we get into the subject of social equity in the cannabis industry, if you would, give us some flavor on what you did prior to founding Weed Week, what, uh, what kind of journalistic uh, topics you were really focusing on, and then ultimately what drove you toward the cannabis industry covering the issues um, that exist in this space today. Sure. So, um, so I was, I was a business reporter in New York in, in 2014 and writing about topics like healthcare and fracking and tech and um, finance and, and things really not too connected to cannabis or at least so, so they seemed at the time and marijuana wasn't really a part of my life. Um, but in November, 2014, uh, Fast Company Magazine sent me to MJ BizCon, then is now the, the biggest industry gathering in, in Las Vegas. And and I got there, and I, and I thought, this is an amazing story. Um, because, first of all, you, you know, a fast-growing industry, but, but you, you know, an industry that's unique in so many ways and that touches on so many of the, the fault lines in, in American life. And... After that happened, I, I pretty quickly started making plans to move to Denver and, and cover the industry full-time, Denver then being sort of the, the center of the weed world. Um, and I started writing Weed Week five years ago now, um, crazy, in July 2015 and as, as a Saturday morning newsletter. And sort of the, the premise from the beginning was that the least interesting thing about cannabis is what happens after you smoke it. So like I said, when I got started, cannabis wasn't a part of my life. Now it is. I like using cannabis as much as anyone else. But, um, but what we really focus on are sort of the developments around the legalization. So sort of shorthanded politics, business, health and science, um, criminal justice, which is sort of what we're calling equity today is that the theme has sort of evolved in the last five years and then culture and and that's sort of and now you know we're uh we're a real media company with several contributors and and a couple of newsletters and um but that's really very much still our our focus um sort of the the politics business uh health and science equity and and probably to a lesser extent culture although we're looking to ramp that up in the not too distant future well, that's that's interesting, and, and that's an interesting journey, and certainly an informative platform. Because at the end of the day, this is something that contains a lot of different characters, a lot of different people, a lot of different efforts from so many different perspectives. So, remember that movie Fletch, which, by the way, happens to be my sure. son's first name. But in Fletch, Chevy Chase played an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times, I believe. He was always chasing the scoop. What's the scoop? What's the story? What would Fletch chase in the marijuana industry? What makes pe- what are people interested in 
based on your perspective? Oh man, it, it's a good question. So, I mean, I think in in some ways there there is no scoop because the industry is so fractious that it's almost like what happens to one company isn't necessarily representative of um, sort of the broader industry. Although you could probably argue it is. So, like, so people are definitely interested in the travails of prominent companies, and probably the most prominent company to have a lot of travails recently would be MedMen. Um, and then you could sort of look at sort of their, their difficulties and, and their um, sort of retreat from certain, certain markets and, and sort of some of the ways it sounds like they've spent money and stuff like that. And it's like, well, is this representative of sort of the industry now and are the troubles they're having um, sort of representative of other companies that have, sort of been lucky enough to, to stay out of the press about it. I think, I think that that's a story. Um, I, I think another ma- major story and is sort of what's broadly understood as the nature of, of, of what's called, what's broadly called equity in, in the industry. And, and that's sort of the question of whether the, the black and brown communities that have, have suffered the most under the, ongoing injustices of, of war on drugs style tactics, whether they get to participate in the financial um, extravaganza that, that legalization perhaps has, has, the, has the potential to be. And, you know, the truth up until this point is that right now the, the industry is is overwhelmingly white owned and, and, and white dominated and, and despite some effort in various jurisdictions, Los Angeles, Massachusetts, Oakland, um, most recently in, in Colorado to, to bring, to bring minority communities into the industry that really hasn't happened yet. And, and I think that's a sort of a big ongoing story. No, you, you make a great point, and, and that it was, was a perfect way to bring us back to the focus of our, our time here today, and that is social justice in the cannabis industry, and uh, social equity in particular. You describe very well what the terms have come to be known, but it, it seems like some of the early states, Colorado being one of them, which has only in the last several months it enacted and adopted a social equity measure – which will be implemented beginning to allow social equity applications in January of 2021. Um, part of that feels like too little, too late. Part of it feels like, well, we, we really didn't know what we were doing as an industry at that point in time. We didn't know what we needed to focus on. We just knew we had a window open where the government was going to allow us to create legislation and to have a commercial regulated industry. So you had to run through that door and kick it open basically as quickly as you could. And it wasn't an opportunity to do things perfectly. And we've learned from states that have been leaders in the, uh, the, the aspect of social equity like California and various jurisdictions in particular in Northern California, as they look at putting measures in place to ensure that balance, that, 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 that equity, that justice, is affected. Um, it's an interesting concept, but isn't it something that we've known about or thought about in terms of you know what is that what is the justice to component to all of a sudden creating a legal regulated framework for something that's that's been illegal and incarcerated people, particularly people in the black and brown communities for so long? 
Um, should, hasn't that narrative been there all the while? Did we miss it? Or were we too focused on getting through the door so that we can, quote unquote, lawfully operate these businesses? I mean, I think I think sort of the, the issue has been from has been prominent. I, I've written about it since for at least four years. Um, and, and people were writing about it before me. But, you know, so, so there are a couple of things at play. Um, one is that sort of the, the measures usually set up by, by governments to try and make this happen have not been particularly effective. And that is still very much the case today. And there, there are a variety of reasons for that. One is that local governments aren't necessarily equipped to assist small mom and pop entrepreneurs to sort of succeed in the economy competing against much bigger, much better capitalized companies. So, so it's sort of obvious since, and especially in, in, in its wildly complex and challenging and expensive industry like, like this one. So it's sort of been obvious on, on one hand, and then there's, there's no particularly easy solution on, on, on the other. Um, yeah, so w- one issue is in, in California, you can't explicitly sort of award equity um, licenses or, or things like that on the basis of race alone. So you need to come up with uh, sort of various workarounds such as, people who have been incarcerated or people who live in certain zip codes. Um, so, 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 so that's a challenge. Another challenge is just uh, black and brown people face all sorts of challenges as, as entrepreneurs. The most important is lack of access to capital. So w- local governments don't really have the money to seed, to seed businesses. Now where might, might these entrepreneurs go in under other circumstances? to the bank. Well, that, that's not really an option here with, with, with marijuana either. So, so there aren't really any fixes. And so the, the sort of status quo allows the, the best finance, most sophisticated companies who don't need financial help, who, who don't need um, sort of the kinds of training programs that, that the government might be able to put together or something like that has just been to, allow them to flood into the industry. And that that's basically what, what has happened. And, and now they're trying to try different solutions. So I think one interesting proposal is in um, Massachusetts. What, what they've decided is they haven't given any um, licenses for recreational delivery. So for the first two years, I think, that is going to, those licenses are going to be limited to equity entrepreneurs. So that creates a scenario where it, it, it seems like there's a better, there's a, a way for the entrepreneurs to succeed in a way that just sort of um, get perhaps just sort of giving them priority with licenses, but not, not much other relevant help it isn't and then you know can they compete against a, a gorgeous store put together by a 
by a very wealthy company or something like that. But if you if you put them in an advanced position, then they are are well positioned to thrive. Well, I appreciate you raising the the Massachusetts example because it it certainly is a uh, it's unique and it's going to be interesting to see using the measures of success and what the measures are for how it progresses just to see where it goes. But I want to come back to something you said, because I think it resonates far beyond the topic of social equity in the cannabis industry, which is that governments are not equipped. I just want to put this to you, Alex, super broad. But obviously, um, we're seeing a huge social movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, in the backdrop of a global pandemic. And on all of those issues, governments seem to not be very equipped. And I just, I guess, as someone who has years and years of journalistic experience and has covered a lot of topics, what do you think? What's the takeaway? What does, where do governments look for guidance or to try to? adapt to essentially a new a new paradigm a new consciousness around a lot of different things cannabis being one of them uh even perhaps federal legalization coming in the near future where these social equity issues will be probably even amplified more but just interested in your thoughts at a high level uh where do you look oh man that is a big question (laughs) um i i I guess i would say you know i don't necessarily think governments are are bad at everything they do i I think there are certain things that they're they're pretty good at and you know there are certain countries around the world where where governments have been able to for example effectively uh i i would say govern during the pandemic to try and minimize uh minimize sickness and, and disruption and there are probably, I think, some that have, have been pretty effective at it. And I think probably I would say the ones that have been most effective have been the ones that have been willing to trust data and, and trust public health experts who, who, who understand these, these matters probably better in most cases than, than people who are, are elected to, to public office, not necessarily for their, for their deep scientific expertise. When, when it comes to cannabis, I, I, I would say, you, you know, there, you have a pretty clear case of um, the people leading the government. I, I, I think, for, for example, if you look at Republicans, you, you know, something like two, a clear majority of Republicans repeatedly feature, fit, favor full recreational legalization. But, um, but the sort of the party holding that up in Washington is, I, I would say, a, a not necessarily even a majority of the, the Republicans, but a faction of the Republicans who clearly have an aversion to to marijuana. But I, I think I, I've argued that the, the Republicans are going to wake up sooner or later and realize that they and the marijuana industry are natural allies in the same way that Republicans are allies with, with a lot of consumer packaged goods in. Um, but you know, in in a case like this, I would say it's important for for governments to, to listen to their constituents and um, trust. You know, maybe to some extent to, to trust their constituents. I, I you know, um, we we obviously live in 
challenging times when, when, when it's hard to make any kind of broad generalization like that. But, but I think a willingness to learn is, is probably very important among government officials if they're going to be effective. I think that's correct. And, and I, you know what, what I think we, where we have seen mostly effective leadership during the pandemic um, and frankly, some of these very same governors, I'm talking about folks, leaders at the state level, have also been leaders on cannabis policy and seem to be sensitive to the issues of the racial and social justice backdrop against which the prohibition of cannabis has, has just adversely impacted so many people for so long. But that perhaps is the thing about the United States of America, is that we're such a large country, we're so diverse by region um, in terms of culture and um, what's important and how people live their lives. And the fact of the matter is it's those local folks, those state politicians, those leaders that seem to have been the most effective during the pandemic, but have also read the tea leaves properly to understand what their constituents want in a particular jurisdiction. Uh, Governor Pritzker in Illinois comes to mind on both fronts um, and sort of exhibited the, the leadership qualities that you want, um, also seems to, to, to rely on, on science, and, and a balance must be stricken. And when you look at how... Well, can I ask, yeah, can I ask you, you? So I, I'm curious about um, Cory Gardner. So I, I don't live in Colorado anymore. I, I now live in California, but Cory Gardner's, you know, your, your senator, and he opposed Colorado legalization initially, but, you know, sooner or later, um, I think he probably realized that that wasn't going to work if, if he wanted to continue being a senator in Colorado and, and evolved on the issue. And now he's a, he's a pretty powerful and articulate spokesman for sort of a, a common sense industry, although that industry, as far as I'm aware, doesn't really include an equity component to it. But that's probably in line with, with Republican views in, in general. But, I mean, how do you see his evolution on the issue? And do you think that could be a model for, for other Republicans? Frankly, I think it is the model for young Republicans. But I also think it's the most likely successful model on a national basis. It's to focus cannabis legalization on issues that hit most people where it counts, and that's in their, their, their back pocket, in their neighborhoods. Some people care about social justice, but their lives are simply too stressful and too difficult to do anything about that. And so when you look at painting the picture of cannabis legalization as one about jobs and as state rights, so you can still wrap yourself in the American flag under the concept of liberty and what is oftentimes perceived as conservatism in that respect— and tie those issues together, and then couple that with individual rights and individual freedoms, that is the platform that gets cannabis legalized in the United States, not something else. I don't believe, and, and I think Cory Gardner is representative of that. Are there other political issues that Cory Gardner has to, has to take a stand on and has taken a stand on that I vehemently disagree with him on, and that, frankly, many Coloradans disagree with him on? Absolutely. In fact, he's going to face a highly and hotly contested race against former Governor John Hickenlooper this year um, for that Senate seat. But think about this for a moment. Cory Gardner, who is the senator 
changing his perspective, although I'd say evolving in his perspective. And I know Corey. I knew him when he was a legislator at the state house. He is a pragmatic gentleman who's willing to learn and listen. Although, again, he's taken some positions that just people can't forgive him on other positions because of. And you put him up against Hickenlooper, who was the governor during the rollout of marijuana legalization. And He's been known, he's been called chicken looper by so many in the industry. He was a terrible, terribly weak leader on the issue and had always reserved judgment. And perhaps you would say that that's appropriate. It's an experiment, he was always say. He'd tell other states, don't jump into this. You don't know how it's going to go, so forth and so on. When you juxtapose that, if you're a cannabis voter and you're looking at a Hickenlooper-related position, who was not a friend of the industry, although likes to come back now and, and claim that he was responsible for the growth of the industry, and to a certain extent, as an executive official, he certainly made those things happen. But against Cory Gardner, who might be weak in terms of your average voter's mind on other issues, but strong on the politics of cannabis, which is jobs, states' rights, and a very much Western freedom here in the United States, that, my friend, is going to tell a lot about whether that Republican philosophy can prevail, prevail on this going forward, because that is just the fascinating thing about politics. Cannabis cuts across party lines 100%. And I've taken this position before, and not everyone agrees with me, but had Hillary Clinton won in 2016, uh, and she announced this. Marijuana was going to a Schedule II substance. You know what that means, Alex? That means it would have paved the pathway for medicinal development of FDA drugs, but it would have also meant one of two things. Every dispensary in the United States gets shut down, or somehow there's going to be a look-the-other-way policy about state-related, over-the-counter marijuana dispensing. And that didn't happen. And so we're sitting here talking about what the right solution is, and I don't think we have particularly good... Uh, positions on either one of those those things from our, our 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 presidential candidates, but we do at the Senate level in Colorado, and that'll be interesting to watch. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you, you know, I don't think too many people would argue with you that um, had Hillary Clinton been elected, there there'd be a lot more research going on. Um, of course, the Schedule Two thing, from from what I understood of it, would have sort of thrown the, the current adult use industry into all sorts of chaos. I have no idea what, what would have happened then. You make a great but, point. Um, I, I, w I wasn't even talking about the, the adult use portion. I was just talking about the medical use. But that's an excellent point that, that sort of furthers that notion. Schedule 2 means medicinal, means pharmaceutical tract, means highly, sh strictly regulated pathways and procedures and protocols and, and agencies involved, that doesn't create room for the over-the-counter dispensing of infused edibles, oils, and flour. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, you know, you, you talked about Hickenlooper, and of course now he's coming back and saying uh, that he helped pioneer this industry. I just, I had to pull it up because I, I couldn't remember. I didn't want to get it wrong, but the famous statement on the uh, November 2012 election, don't break out the Cheetos and the goldfish just yet. Uh, we'll see how that statement uh, holds up this year in the, uh, in the Senate election. Um, before we go, I did just want to highlight one thing uh, for our listeners, which is that, uh, Alex, your book uh, came out in March. That is the Cannabis Dictionary 
everything you need to know about cannabis from health and science to THC and CBD. Uh, folks can go and get that on Amazon, other uh, book and publishing platforms. So definitely go and do that. And we're very, we're very excited to see that uh, uh, you get that, you got that book published. Can, here can I also plug, can I plug Weed Week as well? Please do. Please do. All right, cool. Thanks so much. I, I'm, um, we also hope folks will, will check out Weed Week. We're now publishing original stories focused on business and politics daily. And we, we publish um, my newsletter and the Weed Week California and Weed Week Canada newsletters. And, and they're all free. And we think they're, they're the best way to keep up with legalization. So check them out. Well, well, I definitely check it out on a regular basis, Alex, and uh, get a lot of great information well, thank, out of there. That means a lot. Thank you for for you and and, and uh, just your 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 team of folks putting together such high quality information. And thank you so much for joining us here um, this afternoon. And and uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing you face to face sometime soon. Yeah, I look forward to seeing a lot of people face to face. You very much among them. Um, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hoban Minute. Do you have any ideas for episode topics or guests? We would like to hear from you. Reach out to us at media at hoban.law and stay tuned for more on the Hoban Minute.